0: Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babble's podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi everyone and welcome back to Becca Babble's podcast and today I have a special interview for you. I'm really excited for this interview because I finally had my own dietitian that helped me through my eating disorder on the podcast and her name is Caitlin Motherlin. I think it was Motherlin. I hoped I pronounced that right but Caitlin is just a really sweet human being. She, you can just hear it in her laugh. She smiles and she's so goofy and she loves the outdoors and just being around her will just brighten your day. And I knew I needed to have her on the podcast because she helped me so much through my eating disorder. And I just knew the conversation was just going to be really fun. And that's exactly what it was. Plus, with a little like, tidbits and tips here and there that you'll definitely want to hear. But Caitlin is an outdoorsy mom and holistic registered dietitian nutritionist. Caitlin has a passion for helping people restore balance between life and food. Her personal story of facing difficult health and nutrition challenges allows Caitlin to understand the frustration and pain involved as you search for effective health help and support. Through significant challenges in her faith and helping others, she is now living a life of vitality and freedom. Caitlin specializes in nutrition-related challenges such as eating disorders, GI issues, pre- and postnatal nutrition, and much more. She hopes to bring life-giving, cultivating hope and encouragement in every client session she has. In this episode, we talked about how Caitlin is adapting to parenthood. Caitlin's relationship with food as a child, how Caitlin's gut issues started her eating disorder, what Caitlin did after she realized she didn't want to go to med school anymore, how Caitlin's relationship with God healed her eating disorder, and how she manages miscommunication with her husband, and much more. You're definitely going to want to listen to this whole podcast, and if you feel called to, please share this on your social media and tag me at Ann. Wellness, so that I can repost it and that other people can hear this wonderful episode. And with all that being said, I can't wait to babble with you next time. All right. So, I like to start off my podcast with just like two introductory questions because I feel like it just gets us into the flow of things. So, how would you define or describe yourself
1: if you could? Like, if Mm. you were in the dictionary, what would Caitlin be? Mm, That's a great question. Um, Probably, um, mm, sorry, you're, you're, yeah, this is a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) You're good, take your time. Um, I like to think of myself as a joyful person. Um, but obviously that's not always the case, but yeah, I, I like most days to, um, just yeah, be full of joy. Yeah, and I I
0: can feel that within you because just, like, I've always loved your laugh. Like, it's this, Aww, like, cute little you. giggle. <laughs> and you, it's when you said, like, you're not, you like to think of yourself as a joyful person. That's, like, something I always think of you as. So Aww, I definitely you. agree. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: And then the second question that I always find really interesting is, like, what's something you're researching right now or thinking about
1: a mm. lot? Yeah, well, so because I'm a mom of three children. (laughs) don't know how you do that, but (laughs) I am researching a lot on parenting and, um, each kid is so different. And so, you know, one size does not fit all. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like what go into that? Yeah. Just, it's so unique. Every kid is wired differently and, you know, needs different, um, They they feel love in different ways, and um, they communicate in different ways, and um, how we spend time together, like what is, you know, filling their cup is different. So, um, and then also they all need to be disciplined in different ways. So I am frequently um, just researching, you know, different parenting techniques and ideas, and just ways to foster, you know, as much of a learning, calm, peaceful home environment as we can, but also while you know, helping them, um, be able to eventually become thriving independent adults. So a lot of that starts with, you know, um, discipline while they're young. (laughs) That makes total sense. Do you like,
0: what are the different ways that you have to like, I don't know, kind of like take care of them or like figure out your kids, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah.
1: So each one of them in regards to kind of going back to like, them being wired differently so emotions like how they respond to different emotions is different or like what they might have emotionally is different so um I guess I feel like I you know will handle certain situations with Titus differently than I will with Eden um so it yeah it kind of creates a unique um every day is different. Every day is different, honestly. So did I fully answer your question? What was your question? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. yeah it's just kind of like, I know when I was growing up, like people would be like, Oh, certain kids, like you need to praise them even when they're mm-hmm. having a hard time because mm-hmm. they're critical of themselves to where yeah. other kids is just kind of like, okay, come on, let's get going. Yeah. So do you find that within your kids? I know they're a little bit young right now, yeah. but
1: yeah, no, I like the way they receive praise is different. Um, so I do have to be mindful of that. So, you know, Titus is really all about, he wants me to do whatever he's doing with him and to praise him along the way. Um, like, I don't know how to explain that better other than give you like lots of little examples, but, um, and hey, this is a podcast, you can go all out on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So like if he's out hunting lizards, he wants me to join him hunting lizards, Um, whereas Eden, she's a little bit more like, you know, um she loves for me to join in what she's doing, but she also likes her independent playtime of like, I'll, I'll, I'll come play with you in a little bit, mommy, or something, you know? So it's just, it's different, but she loves to be snuggled and held, whereas he is not as much of a snuggler. Um, so yeah, just kind of differences like that. And then, you know, the way they respond to discipline is very different too. So mm. anyways, I'm researching a lot about those things because it, you know, you're dealing with human beings that have um, just, you know, they're obviously their own little brains and the way they, like to do things is different so yeah yeah that's really interesting do you like
0: (laughs) do you because I know there's a podcast that I listen to and they talk about their kids growing up and stuff and like how much they change and evolve just with each day oh man do you find that
1: with your kids absolutely like one day Titus all of a sudden like was like, oh, I can make my own quesadilla. And I was like, what? Like, when did this happen, you know? Wait, and how old is he? He's six. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I know some people who, like, can't even, like, toast toast. (laughs) Or, I guess, toasting bread. It's not toast. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's almost, he's one of those where he watches it being done often enough to then he, like, becomes confident to be like, I know I can do it. And he'll just do it. It's kind of weird. Like, riding a bike, Mm -hmm. he watched people, you know, friends or just people in the neighborhood, he watched them do it. And then one day he just decided, I know I can do it. And he just went out and did it. It was crazy. And I was like, wow, okay. You are a visual learner. (laughs) You better watch yourself with YouTube because once he gets a handle on that, he's going to be like, I can do anything. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're going to be the crazy family. That's like, you can't have a phone until you drive. So, oh, wow. We're one of those. (laughs) Okay, Why is that? Um, we, I think just, you know, to me, like a 12 year old with a phone is just scary <laughs> I can agree it's yeah. just scary you know so I'm like until we are we reach a little bit more maturity and also like um we were all fine without phones until we drove I don't know I think I, obviously I think at home there might be some privileges th- that are allowed along the way but h- having his own phone mm-hmm. we just you know we're, we're a little bit more old school we like pen and paper and you know I don't know the countryside. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever feel like he might like get like feel like he's left behind though? Cuz like with yeah. all of his other friends having phones? Yeah, absolutely. But um you know, there's uh, I actually listened to a great podcast by Jen Wilkin and she's someone that I just love and admire and appreciate a lot of her wisdom and she talks about there's an aspect of you know, growing up and when you so we are, we're Christians, we're believers in Jesus Christ. And that is a huge part of our lives. And so there's an aspect of otherness that you will feel and that there are going to be things that maybe a a lot of people or the world say is okay, but there's going to be aspects that are okay, that you feel otherness in a sense, you know, that you feel Mm -hmm. set apart and and like not doing what is maybe the norm. And it's going to feel hard and it's going to feel annoying. It's going to be frustrating um but our purpose is also to protect him from you know there's a lot of junk online so yeah that's true (laughs) but we also want to be the people that like show him and equip him how to use a phone wisely so my husband could probably talk a lot more about that because he knows way more than I do about stuff like that but
0: (laughs) have you ever read the book irresistible No, I haven't. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard a lot about it and how it goes into, like, technology and addiction and stuff like that. So that might be... Not to scare you more, but, like, yeah. Well, no,
1: but, like, some of the creators, like, my husband Peter was telling me, which I wish he could, like, be here to say all the great knowledge stuff about it, but... um, I'll just have him on later. Yeah, Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) That's great. Um, But he was saying, you know, a lot of the creators of some of these big, you know... um, whether they're apps or things are they're like we don't let our kids do like play with them though or, you know, utilize them. The the creators of them, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, you know, it's it's kinda crazy. So not I'm not saying like it's all bad. I'm just saying, you know, I think healthy a healthy balance and, you know, obviously just for our kids, like we just went certain parameters around what yeah. they view. So Yeah, I definitely see
0: social media as very much a tool or Mm -hmm. just like these are all tools and they can be used wisely or they can be used not wisely. Absolutely. And it's just like that's where like putting parameters around it or setting boundaries with it might come in handy. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation that people are going to have to have with their own kids. And I even have it with myself all the time. Like I've found myself the more that I've tried to promote the podcast and just my business. It's Mm. like, I find myself, okay, I'm checking it a little bit more. Like, did anyone comment? Did anyone like on this? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't want to be checking this all the time. I want to be present in like the real world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's a fantastic book called *The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry* by mm-hmm. John Mark Comer, and it is so so good. Just talking about the idea of yeah, kind of like pulling back from constant technology, you know, in your day, um, and really having times throughout your day, throughout your week, that you're you're pulling back and you the phones are up and you are present with your people and. Um, and incorporating more rest, and you know, just think like weaving that into your week, and it being more of um, a rhythm that's in there versus like, oh, I gotta like set the phone down finally after three hours, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. So where your like, yeah. brains all like fried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I also have to say that we were also the parents initially with our first child, right? They were like, oh yeah, we are not going to do screen time, like all this stuff. And then, oh my goodness, like, yes, we do screen time. So <laughs> it's one of those things like you think you can say something, but until you're really there, like you mm-hmm. don't really know. So I think we're holding it very loosely of like, you know, I'm, I'm really joking about like, he won't get a phone until he's 16, but like, Half joking, half not. I don't know. I think we'll just Mm -hmm. kind of take it as it comes. And, you know, once again, each child is wired so differently. And so I think just kind of catering, you know, catering and individualizing our choices and decisions for each person along the way.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing that you're already thinking about how things will affect your child and, Mm -hmm. like, planning out how that will go. Yeah. What do you wish you would have known going into parenthood? Oh. Oh, Becca.
1: Man, that's a great (laughs) So much. (laughs) It's funny, a friend and I were talking about this recently and um, a lot of it, you just don't even think to ask until you're in it, you know? Mm. Um, But probably top thing that I've told my husband, Peter, like 20 billion times is um, I wish someone had told me like how little sleep you really get as a parent really (laughs) like at least in these younger years you know I mean it's just um there's just not enough I at least I feel there's just not enough time in the day to like you know I want to be present with my kids I want to spend time with them I want to be intentional we want to have play dates off and on then there's like wow okay we actually have to like keep up with our housework and um oh yeah make food make sure everyone gets fed and then oh we're supposed to have a date night oh yeah okay you know just all of these (laughs) things oh like I'm supposed to exercise too like you know just things that like Mm. incorporate some movement in my week and like I don't know just all these things that can add up and then it's like wow this is a lot to keep up with so um what was your original question I'm sorry it's like what what do you wish you would have known going (laughs) into parenthood? yeah so the sleep thing um that it's you know you you'll have some nights of great sleep and then you might have you know Three months of terrible sleep and you're just like, wow, I'm a zombie all the time, yeah. <laughs> which is probably why I keep forgetting your question. <laughs> you're totally fine. Hey, that's um. what I'm here for. I got the eight hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah. So definitely the sleep factor has probably been the, that's one of the bigger transition pieces for me, at least, I guess I just really need my sleep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I think also just how much your, I mean, just how much your life changes in every possible way. Your thought life, your patterns, you know, what you do in a day, um, everything. And maybe, too, that, like, babies don't just, like, fall asleep peacefully. Like, there's, like, work put into, like, helping them fall asleep. That was big for me. I did not know that. (laughs) Really? Or that, like, some kids will just cry their heads off while you try to take them on a walk. Learned that too. You know, just things that I was like, oh, this is going to be so fun. We're going to do all these walks. It's going to be great. And, like, we had some really good ones. This is with my first. You learned a lot after the first. But, um, you know, and, like, half the walk I end up carrying him, you know, because he's just crying and he's, like, eight months old. So, anyways, just things, yeah, that I, I couldn't have anticipated. Um, but also just the most incredible blessing and gift to get to – have these little people in our lives and and get to weigh down our lives for them on a daily basis you know like it's just such an honor and and really joy I mean don't get me wrong it is hard some days like I told Peter the other day I was like I'm approaching the time where I think I need like a five-hour break from all of you <laughs> like can I please just have like a few hours at home by myself like that'd be great <laughs> like I a new spa day yeah <laughs> like, I don't even need to go anywhere like I just need to be at home by myself and you know but but that's very rare that I feel the need for that you know mm-hmm. like I love the pitter patter on the floor of their feet and their laughter and just um it's such a joy and just the things that they notice you know they they truly help like, life does speed up when you have kids, but then they help slow it down at the same time, because you're stopping to look at the little caterpillar, you know, you're stopping to look at the beauty of flowers that just came up, or the blue bonnets, you know, just, um, there's a slowness and a, um, in a sense, unearthing, again, of, like, all these amazing things that um, you kind of, like, just bypass as an adult, you know, you kind of get, like, oh yeah I gotta get through what I need to accomplish this day and then kind of forgetting like wow there's like these amazing beautiful things to witness and acknowledge and appreciate so
0: yeah they almost like bring more awareness to the reality of what you're experiencing
1: absolutely yeah and then the things they notice you know it's just it's amazing you know so well and it like brings back that like
0: childness curiosity that I feel like a lot of us lose
1: yes yes absolutely and like, yeah, just like the the spontaneity of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mommy, let's go, you know. Yeah, let's go hunt lizards, you know, or let's go jump on the trampoline. And I'm like, I'm halfway through my dinner. Like, what, you know? <laughs> I'm <We'll>, not ready. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll jump on the trampoline after we, you know, or something. But mm-hmm. it's sweet. It's good. Well, I love yeah. all of that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: stepping away from your kids and talking yeah. a bit more about you, wh- give me a little bit of like what your background is and what made you want to be a dietitian.
1: Yeah. So, um I have always looked, like and this is something probably in the last few last maybe 5 or 10 years realizing about myself that like I've always really enjoyed food. Um I loved baking growing up. I loved experimenting. I loved even as an elementary, you know, child loved looking through recipe books um i just remember doing that and like admiring them and just thinking it was really really cool and you know writing down all the different recipes i wanted to make didn't really get to all of them but
0: <laughs> wait like what kind was... of recipes would you make
1: oh like well this this is kind of a hilarious one but they're called snails <laughs> i know it's a terrible name it's a terrible name but they're called snails <laughs> and you take a piece of bread and you put cream cheese on it Oh, you have to cut off the um, heel Uh of the bread, uh, cream cheese on it, roll it up, chop it up into like three or four pieces, dip it in melted butter, dip it in cinnamon and sugar, and then you bake it, and they (laughs) look like little rolled up snails. So (laughs) that was something I loved doing.
0: Those Um, kind of sound like homemade ho-hos. You uh,
1: know what those are? No.
0: They're usually chocolate, but it's like they're rolled up with, I don't know if it's cream cheese or just cream, and they're rolled up and they're chocolate, they're... um, and I yeah they just seem like those are those oh, nice. like big cakes that are around like Christmas time. Oh yeah. Yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm imagining but on a smaller yeah. scale. Yeah
1: yeah it's like a easy cinnamon roll. Okay yeah yeah. <laughs> Was that your favorite thing to make? Probably so yes. Okay we, our whole family loved them. <laughs> wow okay it's kind of silly but yeah at that and I loved like making cookies you know Christmas time and stuff so yeah it was fun. So yeah, I um I guess I always kind of enjoyed dabbling in food and stuff and then um my junior year of high school, um I had some health stuff happen and that kind of caused us to um look into some other ways of eating that might help my issues and so um my mom did a lot of exploring and she was like, "Hey, like I think you might benefit from eating gluten-free. And um, so we ended up doing that because I was starting to have like a, like producing kidney stones and stuff. And so it was just – it was really bizarre. Um, um, so, yeah, we kind of started on this journey of going gluten-free, which was terrible back then. Like there were just not many options. And I was like, wow, I get to eat cardboard all day. This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was – mainly too because like, yeah, just uh, – season of life we weren't cooking that much stuff like that so um it was like grab and go stuff which the grab and go stuff that was gluten-free in early 2000 like 2001 through or no I guess 2000. through 2006 was we've come a long way we have come a long way (laughs) I can imagine yeah I had a
0: friend in high school who was had to be gluten-free okay and she was like yeah it's tough yeah (laughs) so thinking if she thinks it's tough then it must have been really hard back then because I don't even think gluten-free was that big of a thing it was not yeah it was not because I never heard of it till like I got into high school.
1: Yeah, it was like you basically had to go to Whole Foods if you wanted gluten free stuff, and now it's mm-hmm. everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, just kind of started, you know, food because I I had a lot of GI issues. I guess I should also say that growing up, um, so, you know, I had to be kind of careful, like what I ate. Some things would, you know, bother me or whatnot. So, anyways, eventually, um, you know, I think because of that background, nutrition seemed like an appealing. Um, major. I was very interested, though, in going into more like either pre-med or, you know, like dental school, something like that, maybe PA school. Um, But I loved the nutrition component, too, because I felt like, oh, this could be a a little bit more of a unique route to getting to medical school. Um, And then, (laughs) so go through undergrad um, and still never thought I would be a dietitian but um you know even f- I graduate finish school and I still am, like not thinking I'll be a dietitian and start um working in various areas of healthcare. so I, I got to work as a dental assistant for an endodontist in college station and realized wow I do not think I'm cut out for this like this is amazing but I don't think I'm wired this way um, so then worked for an urgent care and then was like, wow, I don't think I can handle blood and I don't like touching people. This is a problem <laughs> if I want to go into medicine. <laughs> like, this is an issue. You walk into the office, be like, Hi, I'm your doctor, I will not touch you. <laughs> there will be no exam. <laughs> you look great. Awesome. Okay, moving on. No. Um, and I and I but that was really where I I was able to find, like, okay, based on like my background. I should also say, too, throughout my college years, I struggled with an eating disorder. It kind of started my senior year of high school and then um, part of my college. And um, so that is also a component that kind of, oh, there's a lot to unpack there. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I think the combination of GI issues and um, then struggling with an eating disorder and those, you know, kind of pivotal going from like, you know, Teenager to adulthood years, um, eventually kind of came full circle to be like, wow, I think I'm really interested in pursuing a career in nutrition, like actually in it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, really, by God's grace, I got into Texas Women's, and then it was like, yeah, okay, th- we're doing this, you know? That's so.
0: amazing. Yeah. Do you yeah.
1: feel like, Having those gut issues
0: kind of perpetuated the eating disorder, or do you think that like even without the gut issues, that probably would have happened?
1: No, it's actually it, that's a great question. Um, yes, it definitely perpetuated it. I having to go gluten free, and then transition to college when there were hardly any options. I didn't have a car, um, and so get, trying to get to the grocery store to actually get gluten free options was just really hard. Um, so I was kind of stuck with, like, dining hall food, and um, at that point, you know, yeah, I mean, it just felt hard to navigate gluten-free on campus. Um, so, yeah, I def like, kind of having, like, the rug ripped out from under me is what I felt like, like, mm. t- all of a sudden having to try to navigate gluten-free as a junior in high school with not a ton of options, and then, um, yeah, it really, like, rocked my world a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just trying to struggle to get options. It
0: sounds like yeah,
1: options and just ideas. Like I just had no clue what I was doing. Really, you know, it was like, yeah. and maybe you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But it would have been helpful to like meet with a dietitian and like, yeah. or you know, someone that could have like given us you know resources and like a place to start from. Um, so, yeah. Do you feel like? going through and getting your like
0: degree in nutrition, do you think that helped or like harmed your like situation with
1: eating? I would say exponentially helped my situation with eating as, so although, you know, although I was still struggling with an eating disorder during that time, getting to learn the nitty gritty details of anatomy and metabolism and biochemistry and organic chemistry, like all the amazing, like the amazing way our body works Um, built such an appreciation and just gratefulness for our bodies and the way that we're made and the complexity of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, no, I feel so, like, I I feel so privileged because, you know, everyone eats, everyone, like, that's just a part of everyone's life, right? And I I do, I feel this, like, privilege of knowing, like, wow, I I got to have training on all this, you know? And, like, um, and it completely, like, like eventually I um, ended up studying abroad in Italy um, for one of my semesters and none of the credits counted towards my major, so I graduated a semester late, um, but it was so worth it. I got to take all these, well, four different nutrition courses in Florence and it was really during that time period that a lot of healing happened with my relationship with food and um, getting to be in a culture you know where they just appreciate food in such a different way um you know the communal aspect of it um uh, you know a lot of it too is like food is art there and mm-hmm. so um just getting to experience food in a different culture was wonderful yeah it's so interesting because you're the
0: third person on this podcast that was like I went to well my last person was she went to Italy and before that it was France no way and they yeah. all said that with their eating disorders going to somewhere yeah. outside of the yes. U.S. helped heal their relationship with food that's amazing yeah that's so cool yeah, yeah. and
1: I'm just like is there like less eating disorders <laughs> out in like that is not in the U.S. Honestly, I don't think so. I think it's almost like being exposed to a different way of approaching food, you know, Mm, yeah. like America is so fast paced and, you know, a lot of us, it is hard to take that time to sit down and have a meal, much less share it with the, you know, your people that you care about and love. It's like we are on the go a lot and, um, and so there was, like, that was a stark contrast that I noticed was, like, the amount of time that people would spend around the table just, like, gathering and enjoying one another's company. And um, so, yeah, it's it's neat to see the way other, like, I, I still think, you know, there's probably, you know, I, well, that gets into a whole nother area, right, of, like, I don't know what, what areas and what cultures have a higher prevalence of eating disorders. I don't know that, but... Um, I do know it's everywhere you go, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Well, and I know. think the prevalence of, again, social media, it's mm-hmm. like, it's made it expand and grow even more. Yeah. 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 Did, when you were in Italy, did the fear of like eating, cause I know like bread and stuff like that will have mm-hmm. gluten in it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have those fears of like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'll be able to handle this food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was very scared, but I also was like, but I'm in Italy. I have to try it, you know, and and I had some issues GI-wise, but I um, overall, you know, felt pretty good eating it over there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was I, – I felt like I had to take advantage of it while I was there because I was like, I don't know if I'm ever coming back, you know? So yeah.
0: Part of me wonders because yeah. I know you said that, like, when you had your GI issues, you were doing a lot of the grab-and-go. I'm assuming you were probably rushing around that it was like – on top of, like, probably being able to enjoy the food and, like, relax while you're eating probably played a role in that,
1: yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I wasn't feeling the stress and pressure of my typical, you know, college classes because mm-hmm. those classes were like, well, this is just for fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I literally go to class and I get to cook these fun homemade ravioli and, like, you know. So I think stress-wise, it really – I was um, – I mean, it's definitely stressful kind of adjusting to a different culture, but Mm. it was also like, so fun, you know, so, so so fun. How do you think people can like start handling the
0: like, if they have issues with food and like, or just in general, because I feel like we have so much stress that then plays a role. I know this is something we've talked about before, Mm. where it's just like, really, it's the stress and even for myself realizing how much stress impacts my life and how Mm. I feel, and just, like, hormones and all that stuff, it's, like, how can we start decreasing that? I know that's a very, yeah, Yeah. broad, but, like, what what
1: have you found has helped you? Yeah, um, I have had to be extremely intentional in how I spend my time, Um, and I also have a really great therapist. (laughs) 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 Um, But, yeah, no, I've had to be... um, a lot more intentional about what I say yes to and, and know that I own like, and, and I think also to just like acknowledging my personal capacity, it's easy to like look around and be like, wow, all of these people are doing all this stuff and I want to do it. And I want to keep up and I want to, I want to be a part of it. You know, I don't want to miss out mm-hmm. total FOMO. Right. Like just, um, but I have had to learn, like, I am not, a, I can have 20 balls up in the air kind of person. Like I'm, I really struggle. Um, and then all my people end up struggling too, because I can't, I can't, my capacity is just not like, you know, go, you know, on a scale from zero to 10, go 10 all day, every day, all the time. You know, I, I've learned that I've had to create margin in my week. And so honestly, that has been like a game changer in regards to like managing stress because what I, for me in particular, if I, um, you know, try to cram too much in my day, I end up being stressed like the whole day trying to get all of it done Mm -hmm. rather than if I'm just realistic about like, okay, in that time window, I probably can only get this done, you know, or, or just being okay that like, you know what, I have this to do list and this might be over the next six months instead of the next month, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of acknowledging that like, yeah, um it's it, it's okay that it looks different it's okay that my capacity is different and if i just need less in this season that's okay too you know waking up at night multiple times a night with a baby like i've had to just acknowledge like i can't keep up with what i my mind wants to do you know like mm-hmm. my mind can has all these ideas but my body just can't keep up you know so i think i don't know just figuring that out for yourself um is I think a wonderful way to navigate and, and help manage stress. Cause like when you think about it, it's like, what are all these things that end up stressing you out? It's like all of these things that I like put on my to-do list to get done that maybe some of them go right. Maybe some of them go wrong. And then I get stressed when the stuff goes wrong and then I'm, uh, you know, so,
0: Yeah, that's definitely something I've been having to mess with a lot. It's Mm -hmm. funny that you bring up your therapist because I literally talked about that today. (laughs) I was like, yep. It's like trying to get to the end of that rat race. And it's just like there is no race. Yeah. And, like, comparing yourself to – it's so interesting that, like, with having an eating disorder, you, like, compare yourself to, like, people's mm-hmm. bodies. But then mm-hmm. coming out of that, I feel like I'm in that weird transition of, like, okay, we're healing from that, mm-hmm. but then, like, now what is that replaced by? Yeah. Um. And I've dealt with the whole, like, exercise thing, and then now it's, like – oh, now I'm comparing myself to mm-hmm. what other people seem like they're doing all the time. Yeah. When it's like, not everyone can go 110% all the time. Yep. And you're not expected to. So why are you putting your pressure that pressure yeah. on yourself? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Something that my husband tells me all the time, because I'm like, I just can't do it all. And he's like, you're not expected to do it mm-hmm. all. And when it looks like someone does have it all together, he, he always tells me this, like, just know that there's a give and take. And so they're having to sacrifice other things to make that happen. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. And it's just like, yeah, like, honestly, I don't know. I feel like I'm finally at a place where I'm like more often than not, you know, sometimes I get tripped up, but like wanting to like cheer on my fellow people versus comparing, you know, because it's like, why not like celebrate each other's victories and celebrate each other's wins and like progress, you know, or just maybe it, it's, progress learning how to rest or you know what I mean just celebrating that with other people rather than comparing and yeah Yeah. wishing I could do more (laughs) yeah I think that's where when you had said acknowledge more rest I think that's
0: hard Mm. to do because our society doesn't acknowledge that yeah and because I know for myself that's something that I've been praised for where it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you're such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. You're doing all these things. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Um, and it's like, that fills me up, but then it's like internally, no one knows inside how I'm feeling, um, or what I'm trying to push through just to like get that. And it's like, I I had this the other Mm -hmm. day, um, where I felt so guilty for sitting on the couch and watching TV for like Three hours straight. Mm -hmm. Most some people will be like, I won't binge watch (laughs) a show in a day, so like it's not that big of a deal. But for some reason in my Mm -hmm. head, I was like, I'm lazy. I'm not doing anything productive. I just wasted like I say a day when it's three hours, and it's like no, that's what my body needed at that time. Mm -hmm. There's um, I find it really interesting because I've been getting into like women's menstrual cycles, or I Mm -hmm. have been. Mm -hmm. and just talking about like how men have these like they have seasons but so do women Mm -hmm. and when men's seasons are like they wake up in the morning and it's summer like they hit it they're ready to go Mm -hmm. and then their winter is more like in the evening when they Mm -hmm. wind down Mm -hmm. to where with females when they have their menstrual cycle it's like it's the different stages Mm -hmm. of your menstrual cycle so like some Parts of your menstrual cycle, you'll have more energy, other parts you won't. And Mm -hmm. like recognizing that and being
1: okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like listening to your body. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like because I don't know if you feel this way too, but like having an eating disorder, I almost am able to be more in touch with my body.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like never want to put that on anyone else. Yeah. But for some reason, like diving into like, I feel like telling people to go into nutrition is like a sticky situation when it comes to someone with eating disorders. But I even found them with myself. It was like once I dived into more anatomy or like mm-hmm. doing the NCI coaching, it was like I started learning more about hormones. I started mm-hmm. learning more about how my body works. And it was just like almost relieving to like be like, oh, that's why I need to eat more food.
1: Yeah. It gives you more of a why behind it mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just to have the understanding of like, yeah, okay, I know I need to eat, but like, why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so
0: when you were working through your eating disorder, what do you think you struggled with the most to heal and
1: how did you heal from it? Yeah, so um, I init- it initially started out as restricting um, and obviously restricting initially was so my tummy number one felt better GI issue wise um it just felt better like the less I ate but then creeped in kind of the whole body image component right and it was like wow this is actually really nice I kind of like that because I was starting to kind of feel uncomfortable in my clothes and you know you hear about the freshman 15 all the time like I was worried about it honestly because um, so many people like had just made comments about it I guess I don't know um just in random conversation. It's you know? usually
0: just because of the alcohol, but yeah.
1: <laughs> I, it's Yeah, it was like, I I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, I don't want that, you know? <laughs> so anyways, I, um, yeah, my tummy just felt better the less I ate. And then I also realized, wow, I actually save money when I do this. And so it was kind of like mm-hmm. a double-edged sword of like, I like the way this makes me physically feel. And then obviously, the way, you know, where I, I see myself in the mirror and then, um, also just being able to save money (laughs) as a poor college student, right? So, yeah, that was kind of, um, once again, I'm sorry. What was your initial
0: question? I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) So like Like, going like down my path and I'm like, why? I don't even remember what we're
0: supposed to go. Um, So you struggled with like, um, you liked the body or you liked the way your body was changing. You liked the, um, not having to spend money. How did you work through those things? Oh, work through it. Yes.
1: Okay. Um, and wasn't like the hardest part or something did you say that the hardest Uh part yeah okay so started with restriction and then but I was feeling very deprived like over time like very 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 deprived um which you know that for I think it depends on the person but sometimes it can swing either way so then it kind of trickled into starting to binge and then it was like binge purge and then that's the vicious cycle of like binge purge restrict binge purge restrict and it was yeah just a vicious cycle um and it, then it became I, I started dealing with a lot of anxiety as it related to like school and grades and feeling the pressure in that way um and so it started becoming a way that I coped in a sense um it was like I was just craving like a I don't know like a an Fixation in mm-hmm. a sense, and it was like, I can't study if unless I'm not, and like, I can't study without eating something, and so it just became this weird thing. Like, it was it was miserable, um, honestly, very miserable. Um, I felt like there was like a magnet between me and food, and I couldn't get away from it. And um, I remember walking home from class one day, just really struggling and feeling extremely self conscious, and just you know, you in, in that time at that point I just felt like the most ugly, most worthless person, you know, just, I, I have nothing to offer. I'm just blah, all the things. Right. And so, um, but I remember walking home from class one day and I see this like smashed up hamburger bun on the ground and it, I stopped, like I, I stopped in my tracks and it was, I think I like that morning or maybe the night before I'd had, you know, a binge and then purge. And then I was just feeling like nauseated and like miserable, just bleh. um, because that of course also doesn't help GI issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so I see the smashed up hamburger bun on the ground and I was like, Lord, like that is what I'm obsessed with right now. Like I am obsessed with this piece of food and this is what it looked like. It's literally a smashed up hamburger bun on the ground. And like, what is my deal? You know, like this is just why you know and it was almost I don't know it sounds so simple but like it was like a light bulb went off of like this isn't what life is supposed to be this isn't what life is about you know and I remember going back to my dorm room and just like journaling like I don't know how many pages just like weeping and journaling and um I'm you know I'm at this point a a believer like a Christian and my my faith in the Lord is still a very big important part of my life but I just it was this eating disorder was a part of this life that I felt like I don't know how this like works in regards to my faith and how do I surrender this to you Lord like I've just been asking day after day after day like please get this out of me like I don't know what my problem is and I can't let it go but I don't want it here you know and um I just kind of got this picture of like um like I don't know I just felt like I was given the example of it's almost like I was Um, walking up to someone's painting and I just started like pelting tomatoes at it and just like destroyed their painting. And God was like, that's what you're doing to yourself. Like, that's what you're doing to me. Like your body is a beautiful creation and I made it and I've made it beautiful. And you know, my design was good and it was right. And it was the way it was supposed to be. And you're over here pelting tomatoes at it saying that it wasn't good enough and that it wasn't how it's supposed to be, you know? And it's like, Wow, like talk about just humbling number one, but yeah, it was it was a really pivotal moment that I will forever remember because and it's not like things changed overnight, but it that image and just kind of that visual kept coming to mind. And because I do love the Lord so much and and just I do have fear of the Lord, which means you know, awe and respect for him and a desire to want to follow his ways and and my life to really just reflect um, his love and care. That includes taking care of my body and it includes loving my body and appreciating it and honoring it and respecting it and giving it what it needs. And so, yeah, that was a really major turning point for me. Um, And then after that, I finally opened, like I had not told anyone at all. And I finally opened up to someone and shared about what was going on. And um, that was surprisingly helpful. (laughs) Um, Once again, didn't change everything overnight eating disorders, as we know, are long hauls. (laughs) Um, It is not for the faint and heart, but um, things started to kind of loosely like, it's like this wall that I had built up and I could feel things starting to crumble. And it was like, wow, I think I'm starting to like, and all kind of, so I eventually, well, kind of during that time I met my husband, we were, you know, dating and dating him was wonderful because I got (laughs) to hang out with this person who had a pure like undefiled relationship with food you know Uh and it blew my mind like I would be like I would just watch him you know eat and be like wow this is amazing and I just started picking his brain and like asking him like you know things like so what do you think about when you sit down to eat and he's like oh well, I just I'm hungry and so I I sit down and I'm like oh this looks really good it smells good yay and then I eat and then I stop when I'm full and I'm like wow like that that wow. Okay. You know? And I was like, so how do you know when to eat your next meal? You know, I just would like pound him with all these questions. And, um, so yeah, it was, and then all the while, you know, getting to take these cool nutrition courses, anatomy, um, biochem, that was all like starting to help crumble that wall too. Um, and just more and more and more felt like I was just able to cultivate this awe and appreciation and respect for my body. Um, and, and realizing that it truly had become a coping, strategy it became my safe place, you know to cope with anxiety and stuff and so eventually started um, counseling and just getting help in that way of I need ideas and how to like cope in a different way. yeah <laughs> so that's kind of initial what got me out of it. And then honestly just being consistent with being open about it and not letting things be in the dark.
0: No that makes a lot of sense when you were dating your husband did he know that you were struggling yes, with this he, he did? did okay yeah because I was like how were you brave enough to ask those kinds of questions just <laughs> yeah. be like how do you eat food <laughs> yeah no yeah.
1: I I told him I don't think he realized the extent mm. I don't I probably didn't share all the details initially yeah. you know obviously now he knows but um I yeah I didn't share all the details with him initially but he I, I told him like I I'm having a really hard time with food and this is kind of what it looks like for me. Like, it's just kind of weird. I don't know. So like, and even in the moment I never, I, I didn't know I had an eating disorder. Like I didn't call it an eating disorder. I just said, I'm struggling with food. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Cause I, I never really thought I struggled with food and then my first introduction into like eating disorders was my doctor just going, to my mom, mm. you have anorexia, and I was mm. like, I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> like, sure, that sounds like gibberish. That's gym-ersion. not what I was going for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah. interesting how people like get introduced to mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. and there's also this like. Like you were saying, there's this weird freeingness of telling someone that you're struggling. Like it's scary as heck. I know a few people come to mind that I think about that I wanted to tell them. Like I knew Mm. so badly I wanted Mm. to tell them. And a few of them accepted it. A few of them didn't. Mm -hmm. And it hurt for the ones that didn't. But the ones that did, it was like I truly knew that they cared about me. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of a hard Pill to swallow but almost like relieving because then it's like okay then it weeds out all the people who aren't meant for me
1: yeah. yeah yeah people that are gonna be by your side journey along with you and yeah help support and encourage and cheer you on did you have any yeah. of that fear come up for you of sharing with people mm-hmm. oh yeah I was yeah I mean I felt like and I also felt like I was the only one struggling you know like mm-hmm. of anyone that I knew my friend group or anyone at Texas A&M which Okay. Think about how many thousands of people were there (laughs) even back in 2006 to, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was very scared about opening up and and I think I felt a lot of shame, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt so much shame because I felt like it was like, I should, I should know how to do this. This is like a basic biological thing. Like Mm -hmm. everyone eats. Why, why am I struggling in this way? You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to kind of get your head out of that shame cycle. What
0: were the first couple of steps that you took to like start recovering?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely, um, sharing with someone, just getting it out into the light and then started, you know, meeting with a counselor, like someone, she wasn't a eating disorder counselor, but she was a biblical counselor. So really pointing me to Christ and realizing that, you know, my life, um, my life has so much more purpose and value than this and Mm that my obsession and focus with food is not helping cope in any sort of way. You know, in fact, it's just driving me further into this spiral and pit. Right. So those two things. And then, um, and then honestly, that's kind of when the Italy trip happened and then coming back from that and, um, still struggling off and on, but, um, I think just having, um, some structure and consistency to my eating was really helpful. Um, and I kind of let letting go of my really low $60 a month budget for food, um, (laughs) like letting go of that and just being like, and, and, and after Italy too, you know, just seeing there's so much joy in regards to gathering together around a meal. And so, um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. I guess I, it's kind of, yeah, I, it's not, I wish I had more of a step-by-step, <laughs> this is how it is, but. Um, it's like an onion. Think, yeah, like, the it layers. is. layers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I, I think too, honestly, let, like once I um, graduated college and didn't have the pressure of school anymore, night and day different too. Like, mm-hmm. it felt so much better at that point. Just, so I realized too, like how much stress was driving a lot of it. yeah um, to maintain, gotta have certain grades. Right. So what would you tell someone
0: who's struggling with food, but is still going through school?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I would say definitely reach out and get help for sure. Whether it's first tell someone that you trust and you know, will support you and help you. Um, and then also just acknowledge that, that, like, it is really hard and it's, it's really, really hard to work through it. Um, and that there's not, it's not shameful to be struggling with this. It doesn't mean that you're bad or a bad person or, um, you know, that there's something wrong with you. You know, it's like, it's just, maybe you just have had a lot of hard things happen in your life that led to trying to cope in this way. And so I think, yeah, just, uh, um, getting help and as much as you can, you know, uh, um, that trying to like, you know, not fall into the shame cycle. Um, and then, yeah, I would, I I think just finding professional help is probably the next best thing, you know, just because honestly trying to do it on your own is, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, for anyone that is a Christian, like my relationship with the Lord was a pivotal part of really being able to, um, to really make that, like turn the corner and, um, and seek out what he had for my life. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. I love
0: that's great advice right there. Um, when you decided to become a dietitian, what did that look like? Cause I know you said you went into nutrition. What was that? Like, I'm not going like, you were (laughs) like, okay, I can't do the blood. I can't do the, the touching the people. So what was the like, Oh, dietitian.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I, so working at the urgent care, um, I got to talk with a lot of, you know, doctors and stuff. Um, and I think I realized how much nutrition really does play a role in lifestyle and healthcare. And I felt like there was a gap there in regards to like my little, you know, area that I was in at that point in time. And I was like, man, like, I feel like nutrition could be a really, um, wonderful piece. I love visiting with people. I love, you know, talking about food. Wow. Maybe I need to actually pursue this, you know? Um, so yeah, just kind of started looking at what it, it, and, and I, you know, thankfully had like done the prereqs to, um, you know, meet the, I guess, qualifications to apply for dietetic school, but, Um, yeah, I think I just kind of realized, like, there is a need for this, and everyone has to eat, and wow, yeah, like, my whole struggle with my eating disorder and GI issues, like, I think this could be a really great fit, and I also knew I wanted to have a family, and I was like, I want to have a family. I want to have a job that I can also be a mom, so Mm, that's kind of what led to that decision making.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what, um, what was it like for you to start your own business pretty much? Because, like, I know some dietitians they work in the hospital,
1: but you're like, yeah. nope, I'm gonna do my own thing. Well, I actually did work in the hospital for okay. a while. Yeah, yeah. So, coming right out of school, I was always told you need at least a year under your belt working in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. So, I did that. I worked um, at a hospital and then transitioned part, part of my time there, you know, transitioned from just working in the hospital to um, renal transplant. So, I did that for a while and then um, kind of got to, I had some more health issues happening so I had to step away from that um and then took some time off and then um ended up at uh I guess right before I got pregnant I got um a job at a dialysis clinic so I worked there for a while and it was just it was a great steady job while I was pregnant um but all the while not really feeling like it was my passion and like what I was gifted at you know and and knew that someday I wanted to pursue private practice um so uh, yeah, worked at the dialysis job, had a baby. Oh, during that time though, I was starting to kind of create feel fit and free. Um, just like, okay, maybe I'll start kind of launching this because I had met a wonderful physical therapist, um, who like, she's the one that really was like, you should just go for it. Like, just do it. Like, just try it out. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, like, why not? And I was like, Really? Like, cause she had started her own PT clinic and it's, I mean, it's amazing. Um, Dr. Plunk in Bedford, if anyone needs anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's a wonderful, specifically women's, women's health physical therapy is her, uh, forte. But, um, so yeah, I just kind of started getting advice from her and she helped me learn some things along the way. And, um, and then after I had my baby, I was like, I really would love to do private practice. And then my good friend, um, Dr. Heather Finley, who was uh, had already started a private practice and an amazing dietitian, kind of already had her um, networking and stuff. She, like, we happened to go to coffee one day, and she was like, hey, would you be interested in me, like, referring patients to you? And I was like, oh, this is like a dream! Like what in the world you know and so I really have to give a lot of credit to Dr. Plunk and Dr. Heather Finley, because they really are the ones that helped me move forward in launching a private practice. And once I got started doing it, I was like, oh, there's no going back. Like, this is so fun. I love it. I love it so much. So,
0: really? What was it like dealing with your first patient? Like, did you ever deal with (laughs) imposter syndrome? Like, what
1: was that like? I was so scared. And yeah, I think it was supposed to be, you know, like a 45 minute or hour session, and it was like two and a half hours. (laughs) and I yeah it was I was worried you know I just didn't know yeah I was worried like am I I don't know how to do this ah, what am I doing I I literally did not know but then I like you know found my stride and it it, yeah it took a few people I feel like but it was great yeah and I didn't start I I decided to kind of keep my options open like didn't just see eating disorders I kind of kept it open to like a lot of different areas and then as I got further along was able to more niche it um, and do more what I love so so
0: you like kind of used everyone as sort of like a practice and then you're like oh you knew that you wanted to do eating disorder work
1: yeah I knew I eventually really wanted to go into eating disorder and I I mean I I don't know that I necessarily saw my initial patients or initial patients as practice I knew I could help them Mm -hmm. but I also didn't you know being new to private practice I was like I don't necessarily have my flow down and my format and you know obviously the comfort and ease that comes along with doing something for you know a significant amount of time
0: yeah is that <laughs> so, what helped you work through imposter syndrome or was there something else
1: that helped you work through that um okay this is really silly can you define imposter syndrome <laughs> you're totally
0: fine so like okay like, what you so
1: about? in syndrome syndromes just
0: like you so it's like, you know, you're good at something, but then you're like, I don't know if I'm good enough, though. Gotcha. So you constantly <clears throat> are questioning yourself or wondering, yeah. like, am I good enough? Yeah. Or there's someone else better out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was not on social media at all at that time. I. What year was this? This was 2014. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not 2014. fourteen. 20- Twenty. 2016 2017 okay 2016 yeah um so I think that honestly helped a lot like I wasn't in this mindset of like seeing what all these other people were doing for private practice um and seeing their businesses take off or whatever and so I didn't have like that like, measure in a sense, you know? Mm-hmm. It was almost just like, oh, this feels really exciting. And like, I'm doing something that I've always wanted to. I can't believe it's happening right now in my life. Like, I'm not even 30. What the, you know, what, what in the world? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt really exciting. Um, so, I, I don't know that I necessarily struggled with like, I'm not good enough. I think it was just more like, am I, is this doing, am, am I, am i meeting what they're needing you know mm, yeah like yeah, yeah. are they are they getting out of it what they were hoping to get out of it yeah. and i literally still ask that question to this day like is this what you were hoping to get out of our session like if it's a newer patient like is this what you were hoping to get out of our session just to get an idea of like you know cuz i have like I, I i learned from a patient that um They later on emailed me, you know, and were like, hey, this wasn't really what I was hoping for. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I should have asked, you know, so it was a good learning opportunity and I could have been really hard on myself or just, you know, move on and be like, okay, like I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be perfect. Right. And just knowing that like, okay, I I can do my best. And one of the ways I can do that is by asking like, is this what you were looking for? Or did we miss something? Is there something else you wanted to also, you know, bring into the session? So.
0: I love that question. I didn't yeah. even think about that. That's like an amazing question just to ask at the very like end of a session mm-hmm. or even at the beginning of a mm-hmm. session because it just kind of sets the precipice of like what setting everyone on the same page pretty much. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cuz my goal is always for them to get what they're needing, right? To get mm-hmm. what they came to me for. And the beauty of nutrition is that it is so individualized that we get to kind of create that and cultivate that together and um so yeah. Yeah. And I feel like just communication
0: in general is people struggle with mm-hmm. because we automatically yeah. assume everyone knows what's yes. going on in our head. Yeah. I know I do it myself. Yeah. I'm like, why don't they know that what they're doing right now is frustrating? <laughs> like I don't understand how they don't see how this is annoying. <laughs> Or, like, yeah. how do they not see that, like, I'm tired and then I'd really like
1: you to grab me a glass of water because I really yeah. don't feel like getting off this couch. Why can't you read yeah. my mind? I know. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole nother level when you get married. <laughs> I'm like, why can't you read my mind? And we've been married 12 years. What in the world? And then, and then come to find out. So we had a couple's counseling appointment recently and... It was great. Like, we both walked away with so many good things. But one of the things I learned, and I never knew this at all till last week, was... um, So in the fight-or-flight response, there's fight-or-flight, but there's also freeze and fawn. And I did not know these um, other two, freeze and fawn. And that this can also be a way that people respond um, in those moments of, like, oh, I'm being triggered to, you know, adrenaline rush is happening, or, like not it's, you know, the bear is not necessarily running after me, but it's oftentimes related to past experiences that then push us into that fight or flight. Right. So, Mm. um, anyways, it was really interesting. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but what what do you find (laughs) that you fall into more often? Um, I think it depends on the situation. Mm. Um, sometimes I'm a fighter, sometimes I'm a flighter. Sometimes I am a freezer. Like right now, I feel like I'm freezing a lot because I'm like, wow, I can't remember these questions. What is my problem? (laughs) You're totally fine. You're doing great. I'm blanking (laughs) my mind. (laughs) Um, Oh, but, oh, I know what I was going to say about that. So it was helpful to learn like how our brains are so different and how my husband's brain works differently than mine and that he's more of a freezer um, when it comes to these, you know, fight or flight response. Um, I probably do fawn sometimes too, which is like, oh, like kind of like, try to overly please people and like okay, make sure like, you know, try to make up for things in a way like overcompensate and like, ah, I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. And like try to overcompensate and make up for it, you know? um So in, in regards to like the way our brains work differently, like it there's, there really is, there, there can be different ways people handle with it and, it, and it's not always intentional, you know, mm. it can be like, Oh, it's because of past experiences. That's why you react this way. And so it, then you have to start unpacking some stuff right from the past or experiences or emotional hurts whatnot and kind of then also come together understanding like okay this person is wired this way or they respond this way and so I need to be aware of that and how we communicate so anyways I could go off on another tangent there (laughs) yeah no that all (laughs) sounds amazing and you're just like learning more about each other yeah
0: yeah for sure if you don't mind me asking like what made y'all seek out counseling
1: yeah. yeah yeah honestly we just kept kind of running into the same wall we our marriage is wonderful I'm married to the most wonderful man in the whole wide world like he loves me so well and I I honestly I I told people this all the time but I feel like I'm married up like he he just um does a wonderful job loving our family you know just leading us um and being so present with us and you know not finding his identity and work like he's so like Present and it's sweet and good but we kept running into the same like wall of like um kind of a component of communication um and i'm like like okay this is hilarious like hilariously silly like i can't even believe i'm saying this but it's so do you ever struggle with eggs sticking to your pan when you cook wait isn't that how they cook like like they stick to the pan yeah okay see that drives me nuts it drives me bonkers so we we were on the search for an egg pan like a pan where the eggs would not stick and we were going to take care of this egg pan Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and so we have talked I don't know how many times about the egg pan as you can tell I am like deep deep foodie person here Gotta have my egg pan. Okay. (laughs) So, but I also don't like wasting food. And so I was like, gosh, I feel like every time we're making eggs, we are wasting at least an egg, which, wow, now egg prices have like, you know, doubled, right? So, anyways, we have talked about this egg pan. Like, we both were on the same page about wanting a good pan to cook our eggs in to not be wasteful. So we find one at Costco. Yay, Costco does it again. and then we talk about like okay these are the ways to take care of the pan one of which if we've just made eggs say someone else in our family wants more eggs but the pan cooled down you cannot reheat the pan with kind of the little crumblies of eggs still on it you have to wash the the pan fully before making new eggs um so to me I'm like okay we've got this like this is just and this is just part of living with someone else right so um, but I'm like, okay, this is, like, just something we normally do. This is just part of our family. Like, maybe someone else would think it's weird. That's okay. It's normal for us. Um, and, like, so one day uh, we needed, like, a few more eggs for our our kids were hungrier than we thought. Um, and so he was like, oh, I'll make them. Sweet, of course, to offer and be like, jump on that. I'm like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, wow, I know I. I did not notice him wash the pan because it had been a little bit of time, you know, since the pan had heated up. And so I was like, um, you know, are are you about to make eggs on the pan? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, did you wash the pan? And he was like, no, am I supposed to? And I was like, we've talked about this. And it's, it's part of the freeze thing of like, I think like how our counselor was helping us understand it was like in that moment, in those moments when something is less interesting to him he can go into freeze mode. Um, like work wise, he remembers stuff like he's got it, but like stuff that's like maybe more relaxed, more chill. He's not gonna be held accountable for. Well, he's held accountable to me, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's anyways, there's a lot more that goes into it, but he, he said it's almost like the men in black thing, you know, where there's like that beep and like everything goes blank and, mm. and it's just like, I have nothing in my brain. Like, it's just like blank. That's what he describes the freeze as. And he, like, he has no memory of it until I bring it up again. Then it'll prompt him to recall it. And he's like, oh, yeah, we have talked about that. But in the moment as he's doing stuff, he won't recall it. So it just happens in, like, a lot of areas of our life. <laughs> me being a type A person, him not being a type A person, it, it just ca- causes collision sometimes. So, you know, because then it results in the person feeling, like, me feeling like, wow, he just doesn't really care. Or he Like, these things that I really care about, he just doesn't really care about. Or I thought we were on the same page and he's just not listening kind of thing. Um, And then he's over here being like, man, she's, like, attacking me all the time, like, asking me these questions, like, hey, why haven't I done this? And then, you know, he's feeling frustrated with himself because he feels like he's letting me down. So anyways, we just kept running into this over lots of different areas. The egg thing is hilarious, honestly. But um, it's just a little example, Mm -hmm. you know, of something that could happen. And so, yeah, it was helpful just, like, hearing from her ideas. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I feel like most of the time, like, I haven't have been in a marriage, obviously, so, like... But, like, most of the time, it's, like, those little itty-bitty things that mm-hmm. get people annoyed with each other, but mm-hmm. there's so much behind that mm-hmm. that it's not the little itty-bitty things that someone's doing. And I think it's amazing that you guys went out to go seek help before it got worse Mm. because I feel like I've heard this on multiple podcasts where it's just like most people seek help when it's like in the red zone yeah where it's like no you need to go when it's like (laughs) what's the in-between between between green and yellow but like that in-between zone where it's like okay it's getting a little bit rough here yeah yeah and just like taking away the ego of like hey we realize we need help
1: yeah yeah. Well, and I think too, being in the eating disorder world and getting to work alongside therapists and, you know, talk with them a lot, you know, to help support our patients journeys, it has brought a whole new appreciation and just gratefulness for what therapists do. And um, I, I mean, I'm just like, they make the world go round, you know, like they are just wonderful, wonderful people. And that we don't have to be in this crisis situation to seek out help. Um, it's almost like yeah it's like um okay there's a bump in the road and we keep hitting that bump let's go let's go get some wisdom on this you know Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah
0: well I've really appreciated you being on this podcast um thank you for like having the courage to come on here and talk I really do appreciate that I do have one last question and it's what would you tell your younger self
1: Mm. my younger self um Oh yeah, I think um a lot of little things that I would get worked up about, like just don't take life so seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things like like I my wife is I'm I'm just so blessed and I I tend to get wrapped up in like the minuscule little things that are not going right or that I need to like ah, I have to get this back where it should be or whatever, you know, and just like I don't know, just, like, almost being free with what I think that, like, every day should look like, you know, just keeping everything open-handed and just, yeah, I think just taking, maybe taking things in stride, maybe that's a better way to put it, of, like, um, taking certain things that tend to rile me up, like, don't take those as seriously, Um, like, say the garage door breaks, okay, the garage door broke, you know, and not getting worked up about things that, end up building and compounding and then by the end of the week i'm like ah, oh my goodness you know but just like mm-hmm. hey like this is really at the end of the day not a big deal you know like obviously it's a big deal if something is going wrong with a human being that i love you know that's when it's like okay this is something to worry about this is something to care about this is something to put my energy into so maybe that's a good way to sum it up is like be careful and aware of what i put my energy into and yeah it one day at a time. <laughs> I really
0: like that. Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, is there anything you want to plug or if
0: people want to get in contact with you, how would they do that?
1: Oh thanks. Yeah. Um well my probably email would be best yeah. email or yeah, probably email would be the best way, but um but I'm also currently in a place of I have a wait list going on so I'm not accepting new patients right now. Um I'm I'm in a really sweet season of life where I, I love my current patients and I definitely want to be able to take on more at some point but right now I have a wait list so um but do you want me to give my email or yeah that, that would be great okay yeah. so it is fueled fit and free at gmail.com so fueled f-u-e-l-e-d-f-i-t-a-n-d-f-r-e-e at gmail.com um that'll probably be the best form of contact so awesome and yeah. we'll put that on the description as well okay but, yeah cool. thank, thank you. you so yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so
0: much for being on this no. podcast yeah
1: thank you Becca. this yeah. was a joy